Hi, I'm Ashley Nichols. I'm Casey Boyd-Swan. And this is the Growing Democracy Podcast, a space for citizens, experts, and advocates to create community together. Each week, we invite a guest to talk about civic engagement, governance, and how to grow our democracy. This week on the podcast, we continue with our theme, Serving the Public Interest. We're talking with local elected officials and non-elected government officials about what motivated them to work in government and what they're doing to increase civic engagement and break down barriers in their communities. And this episode really leans into the partisan element of public service um, and serving the public interest. Uh, but I, I think it does a lot more than just kind of highlighting local Democrat and Republican interests. Yeah, I mean, it's not as though we haven't had elected officials. And so, of course, they were associated or affiliated with some political party. But uh, in in this episode, we explicitly have somebody that uh, is a, a representative of the Democratic Party and a representative of the Republican Party and an interest in how is it that despite these party differences that we might think are really intense and meaningful and cause uh, friction that actually uh, these two, I thought got along really well. Uh, And in fact, one of the things that at at each turn that each of them had mentioned at, at multiple points was that they have this kind of similar uh, internal ethos or motivation where they really want to leave the place better than they found it. Uh, and, and I know I'm stealing that from, from Girl Scouts, but that's that was their kind of starting point was, well, what I want to do is leave it better than, than where, I, where I picked it up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and themes of kind of the power of uh, local government and, 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 and thinking also about kind of the youth movement in uh, running for elected office. I think all of those themes really kind of resonate in this, in this episode. So I'm really excited to have with us David Thomas and Eli Khalil. With us today are David Thomas and Eli Khalil. Uh, David Thomas is a lifelong resident of Ashtabula County. Uh, He served on the Austinburg Township's zoning board at the age of 16, easing zoning regulations on business. As a college student at Washington and Lee University in Virginia, he worked in state and federal government positions, including in the Columbus State House, in the United States House of Representatives, and for the Republican National Committee in Washington, D.C., He chose to return to Ashtabula County in 2015 because of his desire to play a role in the future success of the community. Prior to being elected Ashtabula County Auditor in 2018 at the age of 25, Thomas was the fiscal officer for Austinburg Township and employed full-time at Grand River Academy and received his Master's of Business Administration at Baldwin-Wallace University in 2018. Thomas is the youngest elected official in Ashtabula County and serves on several boards and community involvements. Welcome. Thank you so much for for having me and for helping promote local democracy. Excellent. And with us uh, as well is Eli Khalil, uh, who is a two-time graduate of Kent State University. Just momentary um, applause for that because I have to 
Um, important shout out, um, with a master's degree in public administration and a bachelor's in applied communication. He currently owns a small consulting firm called Ekalil & Co., uh, is the deputy jury commissioner for the Ashtabula County Court of Common Pleas and serves as chairman of the Ashtabula County Democratic Party. Eli has served in multiple capacities in the political arena and official side of government. He has worked in field roles on several political campaigns, served as legislative aide in the Ohio Senate, and spent some time in the Ashtabula County Treasurer's Office. Eli also brings experience from the private sector, where he worked in loan administration at a local bank. He's currently a board member for the Ashtabula County Family YMCA and Ashtabula Area Orchestra Society and is the vice president of the Ashtabula Kiwanis Club. Eli enjoys volunteering his time with other local groups and belongs to many organizations throughout the county. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And it's good to see you both, uh, you know, on, on a camera now instead of via an email in one of your classes. So I'll, uh, I appreciate this and I'm looking forward to it. Yes, absolutely. So I want to get started by first asking David, you were elected Ashtabula County Auditor in 2018. Can you tell us what it is that a county auditor does? Well, it's it's funny, you know, the term auditor, we actually really don't audit really anything, uh, nor do you have to be a CPA or even an accountant uh, to hold this position, which is kind of fun. Uh, but we joke that essentially the you know framers of our Ohio Constitution, which have put, put us last in terms of all the different county offices, essentially we have a hodgepodge of everything. Uh, we do everything from uh, testing the, the gas pumps for every uh, pump scale uh, weight uh, measurement here in the different counties uh, to dog licenses to also transferring all property and real estate uh, in a county to doing real estate taxes, which, uh, you know, as I shared, uh, today's the first day they was went live. So I'm everybody's friend today, of course, um, which is a lot of fun to also doing payroll and all the finances for the county. Uh, you know, I joke. About half a billion dollars goes through our office uh, every year, and we uh, do payroll for just shy of about 900 employees yearly, too, uh, just with a handful of folks. So um, we also do our GIS, uh, you know, different imaging software, and we're also responsible for all the IT for the county as well. So a little bit of everything uh, that kind of ties together. It's really a, a fun hub of information, of data, of also some you know pretty important memories and moments for our residents too. Yeah, that's it's a lot that the auditor's office is responsible for. And just a shout out, you're not from my county, which is Summit. They sent my uh, my property tax bill to the wrong address. So <laughs> boo Summit. <laughs> you're, you're still responsible for paying for it, even if you don't get the bill. So. Okay, okay. Good, good to keep in mind. Good thing the person forwarded it to me. <laughs> now, Eli, you're the chair of the executive committee for the Ashtabula County Democratic Party. Can you tell us a little bit about what the function of county parties is? Are and what duties you perform then as the chair? It's funny because I think everyone has a different view on how county parties should operate. In earlier times, county parties ran and micromanaged candidates' campaigns. You know, campaign managers were non-existent and precinct officials, executive committee members, and chairpersons were responsible in helping the candidate get elected. Today, county parties serve as more of an assistance provider and a fundraising arm for candidates. Strong candidates will seek out opportunities to meet the public, 
and devise a plan for you know how they should be spending their time. County parties help with the candidates' messaging, devising field plans, and advertising for their candidates. You know, in my role as a county chair, I oversee and manage all operations. Although it was rough for Democrats in Asheville County, we made a lot of strides. We got significantly younger and we filled a lot of gaps within our precinct committee. Uh, you know, this has allowed me to delegate work out regarding social and digital media, our field strategy and event planning and, and even advertising. Uh, most of my time spent now is, is raising funds, and, and that's an area where our parties lacked over the last decade, and we're looking to make some major improvements going forward. Now, you mentioned COVID, so I'd just like to follow up with something. How Have you noticed that how you perform your work during the pandemic has kind of substantially changed? And if so, what is it that you kind of had to do to operate differently uh, while you served as chair? Yeah, COVID's uh, it's thrown uh, a wrench into a lot of our operations, especially in the last election cycle. Um, you know, Democrats typically uh, rely on a lot of field work and field operations because they don't have uh, the big dollar donors to help them uh, with advertising, whether that be getting on the radio or uh, you know up on a billboard or on TV. Um, so we rely heavily on field strategy, and we had to totally transform that um, here in the last election cycle. Because we couldn't go out on the doors and we couldn't have face to face at big events because we wanted to, uh, you know, keep folks safe. You know, we wanted to follow the social distancing guidelines. So a lot of our work has uh, transformed onto the phone and, uh, you know, tried to make our short, small um, conversations, not by touching many at one time, but touching many several different times. Um, we've, uh, we've stayed away from the doors, um, tried. And if we had to, at the very last, you know, couple days of the election cycle, um, you know, we had to put our masks on, you know, we knocked on the doors, we took the appropriate social distancing guidelines, the six feet back. Um, and you know, we've tried through a plethora of different things. Social media and digital media has been a, uh, a big factor here for the Asheville County Democratic Party. And, uh, we're tr- continuing to grow that base. We're continuing to make phone calls and build out our organization. So if we do have to face this, um, the next couple of years, uh, who knows what'll happen, you know, we'll be ready for, uh, for a whole new way to campaign. So the theme of this podcast is serving the public interest. And both of you are associated with two different political parties. And I I really want to hear from both of you. um, And I'm actually going to start with David. What does serving the public interest mean to you? And is that associated with your political party identification? Sure. Well, and you know, and I think Eli would definitely agree with this as well. Serving the public interest certainly isn't just being an elected official or really, frankly, even being in government. Actually, ironically, and this probably goes back to kind of my political philosophy, <laughs> I'd almost argue that you could do more for the public interest uh, not being in government and being on the outside and helping to advocate and be involved in that sense. But, you know, it, it, serving the public interest, at least from what I can see here at the local level, for me, that's uh, really helping to create that environment that that uh, local people can, you know, thrive in uh, businesses, residents, different, uh, you know, dreams, aspirations, things like that. It's it's providing those opportunities where they can be, and you know, typically what that means, uh, local level, uh, that just means being an, an open ear. Um, that means having communications and helping to uh, really kind of connect folks together. 
And that can kind of look like a you know, whole wide variety of different things, depending on type of issue, depending on, you know, what the needs might be. They can you know, vary from uh, business calling up saying, hey, I'm curious about and this happened on Tuesday. Curious about creating a, a you know a business in this certain area. What do I need to do? What are the different steps? What are licenses? That can be everything from that to a homeowner to someone who you know desperately needs a, a sewer system in their their property because they want to help develop something a little bit larger. So it's not so much on the you know I, I guess the the policy side. It's more on the actual kind of person to person making things happen type that really occurs and, and is something kind of special and set aside at the local level. Eli, what about for you? What does serving the public interest mean to you? And is that associated or informed by um, your uh, political affiliations? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's definitely informed by my political affiliation. I, I identify as a Democrat because I do believe in serving the many and not just the few. And uh, I think that's really what serving the public interest is, um, especially those who you know, don't seem to have a voice, whether it be because of a disadvantage they may face or a difficulty they may commonly encounter. I think those serving at the national level lose sight of what the public is truly interested in, and that causes disenfranchisement against the country and amongst the country. Although we saw a record of this turnout of turnout this past election, uh, millions of people still don't want to vote because they feel that their voices and their interests are truly not being heard. Uh, You know, the beauty of being involved at the local level is individuals can directly approach me, like David had said, and explain what their interests are, uh, you know, what they'd like to see improved and how they envision the improvements going. Now, I I mean, this is one of the things that that you mentioned, Eli, that there's been this movement towards having younger voters, right, what I'll call the youth movement, right, especially in politics in Ashtabula County. And both of you have been at the forefront of this change, I feel like it seems as though politics is often ruled by, you know, these older generations who uh, they've been in charge and they kind of have a hard time giving up the goat, as it were, relinquishing power. Can you kind of both describe how this youth movement has happened for both parties within Ashtabula County? And Eli, maybe you go first. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll speak on behalf of the Democratic Party here in Ashtabula County. Uh, first of all, you're absolutely correct. Politics is dominated by older generations. You know, that deters a lot of young folks from getting involved in the first place. Our youth movement's been growing over the past several years. And as a 19-year-old person, um, I worked on my first campaign and helped manage presidential operations in 2016 here in Ashtabula County. Uh, From with the help of volunteers, we sparked a flame with a handful of younger people, which ultimately led to a revitalization of our Young Democrats chapter. Uh, Following 2016, um, I went to work in the state legislature for several years, but I always found my way to stay involved in local politics. Um, In the beginning of 2016, I returned home to finish my bachelor's degree and went right back to work with our local party. And over the next two years or so, you know, built some strong relationships with party officials, previous chairs and other party faithful. And uh, last summer, after earning my stars, as a lot of the older generations would call it, our party central committee appointed me chair and that made me the youngest uh, chair in the state. And I think one of the youngest throughout the entire country. So from there, we filled nearly 20 precinct committee seats that were open with uh, people under 40, 
Um, you know, we put a strong effort into improving our social media presence, as I mentioned before, and that helped attract a lot of younger people. And then we hired a 20-year-old executive director who just did our party absolutely wonders and brought even more young people in. So a party that was once dominated by older generations got immediately younger almost overnight. Yeah. So, David, but what about with the Republican Party in Ashtabula County? How did this happen? Yes, yeah, so really actually started about 10 years ago. Um, so about 10 years ago, uh, there may have been, there were just two countywide Republican elected officials that served us here in Ashtabula County. And uh, if anyone were to say that uh, a Republican presidential candidate, let alone um, other elected officials here in the county, were to win or win by even large margins, um, you have been laughed out of the room. Uh, and now fast forward 10 years later, uh, it's pretty much quite literally the opposite. Uh, 10 years ago, that was really kind of started in the sense uh, we had two different elections of two folks who were 23 at the time, uh, Casey Kozlowski, who was a state rep uh, for two years. He now is a county commissioner. And Sarah Fowler Arthur, who was elected to a state board of education seat in 2010. Now she's actually a state rep. Uh, so both of those were kind of the, the start runners, I guess, of our, our younger Republican movement here in the county. Um, now, fast forward, uh, I can never remember exactly the number. I want to say it's either eight or nine elected officials that we have here in the county who are uh, 35 or under. And actually, all but one of those are Republicans. So you think of the stereotypical aspect that you know, many folks, especially at the national level, have of, of the Republican Party of being yeah, the party of, of old angry men, white men. Uh, and uh, ironically, here in our county, uh, one of the ways that we've actually found the way to kind of break in and to bring um, you know, different perspectives uh, was to look more towards some of the younger folks, uh, even at you know what would be traditionally considered you know middle-aged uh, representatives, that type of thing. Uh, I believe in nearly every election, uh, the Republican who beat uh, the local Democrat in 2016, 2018, and 2020 um, were actually younger than the folks that they were replacing. So we've been very focused on you know that type of aspect of, of really anyone that you know, wanted to have a voice, wanted to start in. And I think it kind of goes back to the whole idea, you know, we epitomize uh, the Rust Belt mentality here in the county. The idea that, you know, past generations have uh, truly failed us and we're just looking for something different. Um, and certainly over the last 10 years, uh, we've definitely gotten that. And now it's just a matter of, you know, can we sustain that and can we show that through um, not just the political side, but actually the, the leadership side and getting results that um, we're able to see that. And I think, you know, through every subsequent election, we've uh, been building on that. And uh, it's, it's been really something neat to see. We're, we're certainly the exception to the rule um, in Ohio and, and, and definitely the nation. So in Ashtabula County, it, there is in, in many ways a youth movement. So if I feel weird saying like, <laughs> you know, under 35 is the youth movement, but um, in politics, it is right. Like it, it very much is. Under, under 45 really is. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, it, but I want to ask, Right. So you, you both have different approaches um, in the ways in which you're um, reaching out uh, to young voters, getting younger people to run for office in both parties. Is there anything to the fact that both of you are younger, that you're both on this podcast from different sides of the aisle and there is something about a different approach to politics, whether it's Democrat and Republican, that is there anything to your willingness to, to be here today and to have these conversations together and kind of thinking about compromise and solutions in different ways because of 
age or is it something else? A couple of us have, have um, been famous for saying the saying, there's no uh, Republican or Democrat pothole. It's a government pothole and it needs fixed. So, you know, uh, as Eli said earlier, at the local level, uh, you can't run away from your, your representatives and from who you're who you're serving. Uh, literally, right outside my window, grocery store, um, anywhere you go. And so it's a completely different mindset of, of how you're leading, how you're working with others. As Eli joked, you know, uh, and he's done this, uh, you can just walk right in my office, um, no matter who you are, and, and people do. And that, I think, creates something of a different uh, mentality, a different kind of uh, how you interact. Uh, in normal times, our calendars will be filled with events every single day, every single night, uh, several on the weekends, where you, um, just because we're a small town, uh, you would be seeing your opposition. You'd be seeing the folks who are leading the other party more than your family. So, you know, you, you kind of have, I think, was what the old school D.C. mentality was, where um, yes, you, you you debate, you argue, you fight back and forth, but then uh, you do your softball leagues, your, your you know, evening sports things or different stuff. So you, you really can't have a lot of that gridlock because you're, you're just around each other constantly. And we, you know, unlike D.C., uh, we have to actually get things done, uh, A, because it's just what you have to do at the local level, but also B, uh, people can, uh, can smell BS a lot easier uh, here when you're right next to it. So um, that's kind of a, a little bit of a difference. You know, the youth aspect, too, I think adds to it. You know, there's a reason why um, we decide to run. There's a reason why we're, we're energetic. We're excited. You know, we've got 50, 60 years to look forward to of what we're doing right now, which could be a little bit different than on the opposite end. You're looking back trying to leave a legacy. And, and so I think that definitely kind of adds a little bit of, of extra oomph uh, to what we're trying to do. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with David on on many uh, points that he touched on, you know, the young leadership, I think, has helped uh, simply because it's pushed a lot of the uh, the old timers out there where the stale mentality is. You know, it's tough, especially looking at the national level. And does it transcend, you know, down to the local level? You know, they're going to be core values and, and concepts that uh, regardless of what age you're dealing with, the people are just never going to agree on. Right. And I think that's the beauty of politics. But I think the young leadership where you're seeing the energy, you know, David mentions that we're constantly out at events um, when COVID isn't happening, you know, talking to voters, talking to people, you know, listening to problems. You know, his uh, his analogy to the to the pothole is so true. You know, there isn't a Republican or Democrat pothole. Um, it's, it's a government pothole. And how do we collectively work together, especially at the local level where we can get it done? You know, how do we uh, how do we work together to fix that? And I think younger folks are more uh, receptive to trying to reach over at the, the opposite side of the aisle and, and talk to their counterparts and figure out what's done, because younger folks really do feel a lot of the effects of, uh, of what government decisions are made. So I think that's the beauty of having young leaders is we're feeling the effects and we want those effects to be positive on us and our peers versus uh, having a negative adverse effect. Now, I mean, is that something that could translate to to the state or, or national level politics? I mean, if, especially since there are age restrictions, uh, you know, at, at, at the national level, is that something in that that you guys could see as translating to state or national levels? Unfortunately, it seems like almost at the national level, at least some of the younger representatives are, are almost more of the extreme 
as opposed to the ones that are actually trying to push some of the bipartisanness, uh, which is an unfortunate result of, uh, you know, call it gerrymandering, you can call it uh, campaign finance uh, failures, different things like that. But, it, you know, you're representing different areas. And, and frankly, too, uh, we as a country are completely divided. You know, Eli and I represent uh, the same county, the same people, we're 100,000 people. You know, the, the people that uh, Ted Cruz represent versus the people that AOC represent are, are worlds apart. And so how do you bring those, just the, the actual residents, the constituents together when, you know, their actual representatives in Congress can't even quite seem to see eye to eye. So it might be, you know, part of the whole local aspect versus state or national. Um, I think certainly Ohio, and Eli has more experience in the the state capital than I do. I think Ohio is certainly much more together uh, than the national side in D.C., but uh, definitely local is much more, you know, congruent than, than even Columbus. Yeah, I think bipartisanship or maybe the lack of bipartisanship um, at the national level uh, does transcend down to, to younger generations. You know, David points out that a lot of the younger leaders um, in Congress uh, are of the uh, farther right or the farther left of the parties. And um, the the middle ground candidates are becoming more obsolete. So it, it's tough because Younger folks look to the older generations to model after and figure out what behaviors are good and what should be you know, implemented in their own politics, but then also what behaviors are bad and what they you know, should kick from their habits. And, and it's tough when you see folks at the, at the national level who are of all generations um, acting in such partisan fashion. And then trying to uh, trying to create a, a difference uh, there, it, it becomes really difficult, regardless if you're in the young generation or the old generation at the local level. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. So uh, uh, both of you really seem to have a lot of, I mean, obviously energy, but also passion for civic engagement and since a young age. Uh, and, and this is just you know, shown through your various participations in these different political and nonprofit organizations. So I'm really curious, what is it that drew you guys to this type of service at such a young age? Eli, you want to go first? Yeah. Um, well, you know, civic engagement, and I try to figure out what civic engagement means to me. And when I reflect on it, I think it means, you know, making a positive difference in the lives of you know, people in my community. I'm politically engaged because I think it strengthens my ability to be civically engaged and truly uh, better our county in some way, shape, or form. And it, it might be cliche, but I was drawn to this type of service at a young age because I genuinely enjoy people. You know, I often say, I don't know if I've ever met a stranger because I can find common ground and, you know, share a worthwhile conversation with just about anyone. I thrive off seeing other people thrive. And although I know this line of work comes with its fair share of criticisms and fair share might be putting it nicely, um, I always find a way to to give back civically, even if I'm not going to be involved politically my entire life. Right. And David, how about you? Yeah. So I hate to see things broken and I hate to see people who aren't fixing them. Uh, so that's just something that, uh, you know, probably comes with a, a bossy tween teen personality. And, you know, at a young age, when I was able to, to just at least kind of think about those things to see some of the issues that were happening, you know, just starting out in high school, I kind of looked at, well, where, where can I help to fix this? Where, where can I um, make a little bit of an impact, a difference? And that was, you know, local, local township meetings, uh, just going to those, hearing what's happening, just, just trying to get a sense of, 
um, what's going on. And, and I was fortunate. Um, they welcomed me with open arms, you know, invited me to, to other meetings, invited me to join, you know, officially. And, and just being able to see a little inches, small things, very small things. Again, you know, some of the, the most consequential things that we discussed and debated were, you know, uh, five feet fences versus six feet fences uh, or, you know, different fun things like that. But you're able just to at least see, well, you know, I did that or or we were able to help contribute to that. And, you know, our county uh, is very, very open. You, you think traditional, uh, you know, rural uh, Appalachia. Uh, style, um, Ohio or Pennsylvania or, or wherever, uh, wouldn't be too open to change, to differences, to um, new things coming in. But thankfully, you know, I think we both were very fortunate to have folks really come up beside us and say, hey, yeah, come with me or, you know, tag along or how about you think about this? And really that's led to incremental opportunities that when you look back and uh, you think, well, how do you get here? Well, it just, it, it was part of a big plan, I guess. So really kind of neat. And I think we're seeing more involvement. Certainly we're seeing more people moving into our County, um, more families. Uh, we're, you know, half the cost of living uh, of the U S in terms of Northeast Ohio, we're certainly the most affordable place to live. And so we're seeing younger folks moving in because they can get their start here, uh, which is really exciting. I think that's going to point to a much better uh, trajectory for the future. So part of the Growing Democracy Project is to what we say, break down barriers and build bridges between uh, often disconnected groups. Part of that is talking about like what actually does a party leader do and what actually does an auditor do. And the other part is thinking about ways that we can always improve, things that we can always do to create a more inclusive society, especially a more inclusive participatory um, public sphere. And so my question is, from your perspective, in your your various um, places within the county, how can elected officials help create a more inclusive space, a more inclusive uh, government space, political space, where more individuals can be involved in the political process. <laughs> oh, campaign a lot. Um, so, uh, you know, I think we've we've definitely touched on, it, and that's why uh, local level is so much better, is so much different than the national level. It's having the perspective, right? Even in our uh, gosh, ninety three percent Caucasian county, uh, county that um, by and large uh, the different uh, job fields, different um, you know areas of employment are largely uniform, largely the same. Many of us have the same backgrounds. Most of us were born here. Even in our county, of course, there's huge different areas of, of not only thought, uh, political thought differences, but uh, real life differences. Uh, you know, places where, where folks have come from or or where they're living now, and and so I, I think the the best way to, to really bridge that is to think about. And I always have to think about this when you know folks call for help or when um, you know someone um, maybe messed up, for example. And uh, now there's different choices and ways that you can kind of handle their situation. It's putting yourself in, in their perspective, their shoes. It, it sounds trivial. It sounds really too simple, but, but I think it, it kind of is. Uh, because when you do that, when you think about, well, what were I to do if I were um, you know, from their background? Or what would I do if I had uh, those different challenges in, in my past? And I think it gives you a much better perspective. And certainly, you know, Local level are, are the policies that we're going to be able to institute all that impactful for some of those things? No. 
but I think it gives us a, a better discourse. Um, when we talk about some of the broader things, national things, of course, people want to, as well as officials, ask us about all these all these great things. I've got a TV here in my office playing the news, and, and that really sparks some great conversations or some not-so-fun conversations. But you know, when we go back to the actual nitty-gritty of what we can do, well, it, it, it makes us much more, much more agreeable to wherever folks are coming from. And um, when we do that, well, uh, I have to think that other people notice that, other people see that, and it, it makes us more approachable. It makes us more able to have conversations and and be able to at least uh, see each other, um, which, you know, frankly, <laughs> may be a low bar, um, but it's a bar that we at least have to reach for. Yeah, yeah. Eli, do you want to add to that? Yeah, I, um, I think it is relatively simple, right? Uh, elected officials should strive to build trust amongst their constituency in the election process. You know, over the last few months, we've seen the exact opposite of that. And I think it significantly undermines and discourages a more inclusive society where more people are involved in the political process. Elected officials should encourage folks to vote, should work to break down barriers that deter people from getting involved, and they should be accessible. A bridge can be built with disenfranchised groups if they believe the representatives who serve them hear their voices and feel their struggles. Now, I, I mean, you guys both have mentioned the national level a few times. And uh, another thing we do on the podcast is we talk about local events because, hey, this was started in a pandemic. So <laughs> uh, we're, we're not immune to the fact that this happens, uh, you know, in, in the context of a national environment. And so we're recording this just days after the, I, I don't know what we want to call insurrection, riot, failed attempted coup. I don't know what, 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 they're, what there's so many terms people are using on the news, um, but on the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. So as local political leaders uh, on different sides of the partisan divide, how do national events like that impact your work at the local level, your ability to do work at the local level? Uh, uh, and how do you kind of respond? You know, I've been hearing the attacks on the Capitol called many different things, as you've mentioned. But I want to be clear. It was a domestic terrorist attack. I've heard individuals trying to equate events that happened last summer in response to the killing of George Floyd and these recent attacks. And it's pretty appalling. The protests that happened last summer were in response to a horrific murder. The attacks that happened this week occurred because an unhinged president couldn't accept an election defeat. You know, I don't see much of a similarity. But events like these drastically shape the messaging landscape at the local level. So from my position as a party chair, you know, our party needs to learn how to capitalize on those blunders. And that's my job, uh, you know, how to turn the inaction of the president and then turn those inactions into actions by us and success by us and for other local Democrat Democratic candidates at the local level in November and in the off-year elections. And now, David, I mean, obviously you don't work for the president. You just happen to have the same political party. <laughs> so so how is it that this affects your work and then how do you respond? Sure. Uh, you know, I, I interned uh, on the Hill. So uh, I've been on that floor, you know, frankly, that day is certainly one I, I, I won't forget. And, and I would I would echo you know, Eli's comments in terms of uh, when we when we talk about what terrorism is and we talk about what 
you know, violence is, that, that's certainly fit the bill. And I understand that there's already been a good number of folks arrested a day or two after, frankly, I know that there'll be many more, which is good. But in terms of, you know, how does that affect us? Uh, many of the conversations, I was on the phone the entire day, many of the conversations I had with other local officials, uh, you know, kind of stem from, well, what, what do we do? How, you know, you, you want to do something. You want to, you want to have action. And I think it kind of goes back to the idea that, you know, yes, we're, we're all involved. We're all, you know, different parties. We're all, we're all having kind of bully pulpits in a sense. And, you know, uh, it causes us to reflect, well, how, uh, how are we setting the temperature with what we can control? You know, certainly I could, I can go on, on social media and, and say X, Y, and Z about President Trump, or I could say X, Y, and Z about Nancy Pelosi, and they wouldn't even have a blip on their radar about what I did here in Asheville County as a local official. But what I can do, and what I think our local officials can do, is uh, use uh, times like this to essentially kind of pull back and reflect and say, well, how, how am I actually uh, acting? How am I, uh, you know, taking a lead in, in my office to, to set the better example, uh, to be kind of that that adult in the room to, to be the better voice and respond accordingly. You know, it, it, it's it's something of a pragmatic approach. I think that's something that just, you know, times like this, we, we have to say, well, what can we do? What's effective? Uh, what isn't? And take action on it. And, you know, that's, I think, our, our response here uh, in all times is essentially what are we able to actually achieve? What are we able to actually do and, and, and go for it? And, and don't, not to say don't, waste time or don't spend time kind of up in the clouds with, with some of the different uh, philosophical or some of the different, you know, kind of major things. Uh, frankly, it, it wouldn't change anything. But what we're able actually to do and achieve and take action on here uh, will do just that, make a difference here. And, and that's what we're always going to do. That's what we we did in response. Um, our party leadership came out very strongly after that. Um, all of our different elected officials came out very strongly after that. And, uh, you know, no doubt in on where we stand. Thank you, both of you, for responding to that. I know when we invited you on the podcast, it was before this event. So uh, you were notified that we were going to ask about it, but <laughs> it's not like you, it's easy to come up with prepared statement um, when we're talking about major historical moments. I want to end by just inviting you to add any final words of wisdom, comments to our listeners. What else would you like to share? Um, David, do you want to go first? Sure. Uh, I, I think the, the big um, kind of aspect, the takeaway, what you know, what your theme is, there's always, uh, and we've all heard it, always the different people that say, well, you know, my voice doesn't matter or what I do doesn't matter. Or, you know, there's nothing I can do that will change anything, so I shouldn't even bother. And then, frankly, I get more kind of uh, downtrodden, more frustrated, whatever the word is, uh, at statements like that than I do at statements of, of political folks that I disagree with. Because then, you know, uh, where do you go from there? You get a population of apathetic people, and, and that's a recipe for, frankly, disaster. And so I, I always tell folks, I always want to, uh, you know, kind of bring across the idea that, you know, there are places where you can make uh, whatever difference that you'd like to, big or small, and, and have uh, that change or have that uh, addition or or whatever really, you know, you're looking to achieve, it, it's possible. And and frankly, it's it's right in your own backyard. It's your school boards, it's your park commissions, <laughs> it's your local cleanup groups, it's um, not just in government, certainly. Uh, it's more so in, in the private sector and nonprofits and health 
helping others. And you just need that little spark, right? You just need that that one first um, start where you see, oh, you know, I, I did that. I I cleaned up that that block, or or you know, that's that's changed because I was helping to be involved with it. And you build on it, and you grow. And it's small steps, but I always encourage folks just to, to take that first step, which is the hardest, going to that uh, fundraiser, or you know, volunteering for for that evening or something like that. It's, it, it can be a little bit nerve wracking, but it's it's so so worth it when you're. 10 years from now and you're looking back and you're thinking, wow, if I hadn't have done that, where would I be today? Thank you. Eli. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I want to take this time to, to thank all of you uh, with the growing democracy project and to Dr. Nichols and Dr. Boyd Swan. I don't think I'll ever get used to calling you a Casey or Ashley. Um, but, uh, you know, I, uh, I just want to thank you guys, um, for, for the listeners who, who don't know, um, I'm a recent uh, MPA graduate from uh, uh, Kent State, and I was fortunate enough to uh, to have both of uh, our, our two great hosts as professors. And, um, you know, I just want to take the time to, to plug them, thank them for all they do, um, and, and really just encourage the conversation and start the discussion. Because as David said, that's, that's the first step, right? Uh, breaking out of the shell um, and, and talking about issues that matter most to our world. So, you know, thank you to everyone at the Growing Democracy Project, and uh, thanks, Dr. Nichols and Dr. Boyd Swan. Thank you both for coming on. I I don't know if our listeners have heard it enough, but this podcast was a real important thing for us, especially early in the pandemic, but even still now. So thank you guys for coming on. It was fabulous to have you. Thank you so much for having the conversation and inviting us. Thanks for listening to the Growing Democracy Podcast. I'm Casey Boyd-Swan, and my co-host, as always, is Ashley Nichols. Our podcast is produced by David Jersa and edited by Jeremy Demery at Golden Ox Studio right here in Cleveland, Ohio, and supported by the American Political Science Association. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website, growingdemocracyoh.org. Join us next time when we continue this conversation about serving the public interest.